Welcome to Bipolar Inquiry, drafting and crafting bipolar consciousness since 2016 by philosophizing, relanguaging, and harvesting mania's special messages, meaning visions, extraordinary experiences, ideas, insights, superpowers, possibilities, synchronicity, and parallel worlds. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information discussed on the show is not medical advice. Now, let's get started with this episode. This is my third day on juice and kombucha only, and I'm feeling really good. I feel like maybe I have an allergy to some of the food that I've been eating on a consistent basis, but last night I actually felt really crappy. Though during the day when I was at the park making videos, I felt really good, so I think I'm just rediscovering and learning about myself when it comes to hormones, when it comes to how people around me make me feel, or different combinations of people, places, times. Today it feels fascinating. Yesterday I felt like I can't be around people, I have to get out of the house now, and I went to the park and I was good. And then I went back home and I felt like I can't be around people. So I went to Walmart. So yeah, three days, two and a half days on kombucha and carrot juice and juice. I've been doing juice only and kombucha only the last couple of days. So I just grabbed a few juices from Booster Juice to keep it going because I didn't have any carrots to make carrot juice. So we'll see what happens and how long this lasts because I'm feeling pretty good today. Yesterday at in the afternoon I was feeling quite awful so we'll see how it goes and today I'm feeling good and I had energy and I was being creative I set up my square reader a little better I put it as synchroversity wellness and now I carry it with me as a prompt to see where I might be able to use it and I started creating a synchroversity wellness brochure I fix the podcast link on my blog to actually sync up with my SoundCloud. And I created a blog post with the Zendo Project training video and manual. And I put a sticker on my car. I got gas. I got more carrots and ginger for making juice tomorrow. I got three juices at Booster Juice because I didn't have anything to make juice and I wanted to go out. I did forget my iPhone charging cord, so I can't sit and do stuff on my phone unlimitedly because I could run out of battery. And then I wouldn't be able to sing on the drive home and that would be tragic. And I bought a song, Automatic Flowers by Our Lady Peace and added it to my singing playlist along with Superman's Dead, which I already had. So I'm noticing that there are states where I can get a lot done, just one thing after another, and then sometimes I feel like I can barely move, and just waiting for that sensation to pass, and wait for the next wave of creative action without premeditation. And I have a big long list of things to do that I made while I was still in California, and I just looked at it now and it says throw a coming off party 
So I think I'm going to throw myself a coming off party when it's the nine month mark off meds in mid-February. And I had some coffee today, unlike yesterday. I just signed up for a Pancha Mama webinar on September 13th called Building a Better Reality. And then in the email, they sent me a link to get a guide called Dream Shifting 101. And I'm reading through it, and it's really cool. They're talking a little bit about shamanism, not just in indigenous cultures, but he's saying his favorite definition of shaman is... A man or a woman who journeys into other worlds in order to obtain power, energy, and wisdom to create change in this world. That is a great definition. That could be the same for people who go into non-ordinary states of consciousness non-volitionally or involuntary psychedelic experiences where journeying into other worlds to gather energy, wisdom, and information in order to create change in this world and when it's interpreted as a personal mental illness and then it's turned into a personal problem for the rest of life then that basic aspect of harvesting energy and information and wisdom to change this world is lost this is a really cool guide dream shifting 101 by pancha mama alliance and I'm trying to get my Pinterest and Flickr account going again. Having all these ways of sharing stuff quickly and seeing what happens. It's designing a sharing, superhumanic life. A life destabilized in ecstasis. I'm parked on the side of the road because I want to finish this video before I go home. I've been making random clips throughout the day and I'm thinking this might be a good way to make videos in the future. Not so much sitting down and talking about stuff that I've written down, but talking about what I'm doing during the day to show more of what shamania is like living as a manic shaman and not the state of mania, but bringing that energy into life, daily life, and how it directs daily life. And I thought of what is driving our life? Is it universal energy or the personal self or ego? And today I felt really different. I don't know if it's because it's the third day of being on kombucha and juice only. I do have to be a little bit wary for sure because I don't want to get too high and yet I'm finding that the days feel really long and they feel really energetic and creative and there's a process I do to keep track of the day which is make a note in my iPhone notepad for the day and just write down the things that I need to do when I get back home and some things I might have to look up on the internet some things that I might need to put in my calendar things that I need to do and when I was driving home there was an overpass over the highway of a certain street or road and on the big cement part that holds it up in the middle of the highway at the last second something caught my eye and somebody had written in big chalk letters I think the film earthlings changed my life and I immediately got goosebumps and 
it was just such a cool, magical thing to see that someone did. And the film Earthlings changed my life. I watched it probably eight years ago, shortly after I became a vegetarian. And I was glad that I decided already to become a vegetarian because it was very graphic and disturbing. And had I not decided yet to be vegetarian, I'm pretty sure I would have decided after watching the movie because it is really profound and, yeah, it kind of weirds me out to see people trying to save a duck or watching someone save a duck on on YouTube or something and then at the same time they go home and eat chicken. And they're thinking, oh, that's so sweet, someone rescued a duck, I'm just going to eat this chicken. People don't really put that together. That's my judgmental thing of the day. And it's not really judgmental per se, but it is an observation. And yeah, so today I felt like I lived in a creative way and I have more things to do when I get home, like continue reading that dream something 101 that I was reading. And yeah, maybe I'll make these short clips throughout the day like I did today and talk about what I'm creating and show how I'm living and I'm on my third booster juice and I did buy more carrots and ginger and I have celery and spinach to make some juice tomorrow and I am doing a 5k run on Saturday so I don't know if I would do juice only that day unless I decide to walk so today has been a wonderful day full of the magic of flow drove into town takes about 40 minutes but I use that as my singing time and my voice is a little funny from being sick and yeah I don't know if there's anything else I really want to talk about today nothing profound and everything profound at the same time I really feel like I'm learning about this energy and it's kind of whispering its secrets a little bit I don't know what that means, but it was something very subtle, and maybe next time I hear that whisper, I can say something about it, and it's not a voice, it's a subtle perception of how things are working, how things work. That's all for now. Oh, and today's theme song was Ace of Bass, The Sign, and... This is my outfit of the day. It's a little more colorful. Last thing I want to talk about with myself is that that event on September 13th put on by the Pachamama Alliance is called the Perception Bridge. Building a better reality. So this word perception is coming up. And in the document they sent called Dream Shifting 101, there's a quote that resonated with me because I think yesterday when I was making videos, I mentioned that I feel like our core is all the same. And then in the document it says, shamans say that our core self, also known as our divine self, is infinite and immortal. It has lived many lives 
We are all connected to each other and therefore our understanding of that core self is helpful in creating our dream for the world. I love that, creating our dream for the world. This Dream Shifting 101 document really, really resonates with me. I love it. And it talked about how indigenous people see themselves as a collective, not individuals, because they all impact each other. And another quote from the document is, apply energy to your dream. And that's what I feel like I need to do now in my daily life. And that's what it's felt like these last few days. And then after I wrote this quote down, so I could talk to myself about it, I wrote to myself, just live in this way, don't talk about it. Others are talking about it, so you can live as it. And then it made me feel like my dream in a way is lifestyle design where one can live in constant flow like one might in that state of shamania. Because other ways of being are reacting to solving problems and this way is creating the dream, applying energy to one's dream. And one can look back and harvest that state to see how one might apply energy to one's dream in daily life and then that builds the dream because I might say oh my dream world is to have respite for people safe space to go through these experiences or it could be to design a life where one is always moving and flowing in that state and it doesn't overflow because one is living a mundane life and then these elements come into consciousness to remind us how things really work in the world. And then in that case, we need respite to rest because it's become overwhelming. What if we're able to go with that flow moment to moment, day by day? What kind of life does that design? So can I design a life in that flow and share it so others can do the same? And this is something that I can create. Right now I don't have the power, the finances, the people to build a respite and build this big center, but I can design my life. That's within my power to do. Can I design a life where this energy doesn't have a chance to make us need respite? And the document Dream Shifting 101 also mentioned our collective dream for the world. So I don't know if my dream would be everyone living the mundane life, then a lot of people needing respite because they're having these involuntary psychedelic experiences and non-volitional altered states of consciousness as a reaction to the problem of the way that we live our lives. So what if the way that we live our lives is in alignment, so then there's no reaction to how we're living our life? No energy coming in and saying, remember this dream you had, remember all this and that. And then I've thought about writing a book or something, but maybe the book can be my daily life and how I live it. And maybe that's part of this next harvest is harvest the day. If I'm living in a 
state of shamania, shamanism mixed with mania or energy, perhaps harvesting the day and what I create day by day, and perhaps I'm done looking back at that old state, but making videos of being in that state, and it might be challenging to maintain, I don't know. And Krishnamurti talks about a totally different way of living. So can I live totally differently and share that day by day? And perhaps that's the new dialogue, is a daily dialogue of harvesting the day. And another quote from the Dream Shifting 101 document is, We are air and we are probability of energy. So living in that superhumanic state, living in shamania, which is shamanic, shamanic so this dream shifting document is in alignment with everything I've been talking about and the great thing is that people are creating these wonderful linear documents and I'm not able to do that linear thing so can I design a life of non-linear sharing moment to moment and move in that way of living and not talking about it but sharing living as it and I don't know maybe that'll change tomorrow maybe I'll forget I do forget can I design in sharing so much that I won't forget to share we don't have to look back we don't have to look back this was definitely a day in superhumanic state, in shamania, shamanic. Just live it, don't forget to live it. Forget everything and live it. Today was another day of kombucha and juice and coffee. Day four, I think. And it was another powerful day, for sure. About an hour ago, I had this subtle perception and it felt like eternity whispering. The days have felt really long these last two days and it feels eternal, like there's a lot of time and then I had this feeling about how our subjectivity does actually change time not just the feeling of time passing and I wondered about that and last night I was having trouble falling asleep because I kept coughing and I was running low on halls And since I'm staying with family, my mom came in the room and offered me a warm blanket and put it on me. And, and it was strange because after that, the cough stopped. I did change my sleeping position a little bit too, so that might have had something to do with it. But it felt like that gesture of love and caring, that simple act, was a sort of 
placebo, if you want to call it that, that allowed that cough to calm down. And then I went to put the last haul in my mouth that I had and the rapper said, don't give up on you. And it was interesting that I got a special message on a Halls wrapper. So special messages really are everywhere, even on something as simple as a Halls wrapper. And I took a picture or a video of it. Even Halls has special messages. And yesterday I was thinking a bit about how the only thing I really have the power to change is myself. And I've had this paradox or conundrum a couple times in the last year for sure is being, do I help others or, or do I help myself? And interestingly enough, these last few days doing this cleanse, which is something good for my body, I felt different around people. I felt more connected. I felt like there's more time to just be with people. I'm not so in a hurry to go off and do videos or whatever it is that I have on my mind to do. And the thing is too that it feels like I have enough time for both. It feels like I have enough time to do those things I want to do and spend time with people. Whereas when I'm not taking care of myself as well, I feel like I'm rushed to get what I want to do done and I don't have time for people or something. And taking care of myself with this fast, my mom responded by bringing me a blanket, which was really sweet. And we had a nice conversation earlier in the day, which doesn't seem to happen when I'm in this other state of consciousness. I'm not sure, it's strange. And today I spent a bunch of time working on these documents I was working on and really focused and linear. And then I spent time watching a silly movie with some family and then I felt like I still had time to go to Walmart and get more hauls and a few more tank tops. I ate all my hauls and the tank tops are cheap and yeah it's a different feeling of time and I've been feeling time differently and aware of that and then I had this subtle perception of eternity and then I wrote something about it I felt like writing something a little bit more lyrical and poetic about it as it's more of a whisper than something that can be unfolded. It's a subtle reminder. Yet with that perception also can arise a little bit of fear because it's a strange sensation. This foreverness, this alwaysness this nowness, this hereness. And it's so strange how one can feel like, I don't have time to do anything to 
there's so much time to there is no time to eternity and I feel part of the fear is touching on eternity can lead to a sensation of ending or death and I haven't had that in a number of months since taking the hearty nutritionals so I'm wondering if I'm getting to a state of being too passionate quote unquote I don't know and it could be the fasting too maybe it's gone too long I was planning on doing one more day I made juice for tomorrow and I have kombucha perhaps I could eat something And I'm facing a decision about possibly being offered a job that is in a lifestyle design situation that isn't ideal for me, but it's a pretty ideal job versus continuing to design my life. And I'm leaning towards continuing to design my life because there are some cool things coming up. I might go to a little retreat center for a week on the 14th and on the 12th I'm going to donate blood and on the 13th is that webinar I think as well as a info session on taking a class to learn how to start a business and I could potentially take that in order to create Synchroversity Wellness so it might be a matter of creating synchroversity wellness versus working in a job and the job might be grounding and that might be good but I don't know I feel like I need the time to put that dialogue thing together it's the coyotes yet at the same time I wonder if I should share it at all and maybe getting myself to a place where I'm working a job and it's a good job and, and that's good or coyote has to do with trickster now they're quiet the trickster Yeah, so that business course would start in mid-November. So I'm seeing there are different things that I can do. And when I go to the retreat, I learned that nearby there is something called forest bathing, where one goes on a walking tour through a really old, beautiful forest. So that sounds really cool and lifestyle design-ish. So I wonder if I can hold this together. And this job opportunity is something I'm really passionate about but sometimes it can be detrimental to me when I'm too passionate and I'm wondering if I can hold this and unfold it can I unfold this superhumanity can I hold it and 
I'm even wondering about being really passionate about micronutrients because it could be another thing where I'm really passionate about micronutrients and then I stay within micronutrients in an illness framework whereas maybe the micronutrients are for me to transcend and design my artist self and work on singing and dancing and things like that but maybe that's too out there I don't know am I supposed to be grounded or move towards a fullest expression I I'm not sure my life really has been changed by taking the micronutrients but do I want to get lost in that or really really move on almost like this whole mental health thing didn't happen and it's not like I wouldn't be sharing the benefits of micronutrients because I've created the dialogue with myself showing the process of transitioning off of them again it's passive advocacy, even at the level of something like, wow, these micronutrients are so great. I really want to live my life. I think I'm answering my own questions. And I was thinking about today how it's kind of nutrients first, not even happiness first, or respite and safe space, but nutrients. It really is and this goes back for me even years before being diagnosed with a mental health condition where I had a chronic fatigue like thing going on and it took a total overhaul of my lifestyle in terms of diet and health to get better and heal and it seems the same with mental health so nutrients first and perhaps I'll be a person with lived experience of being able to support myself after being labeled with a mental illness with micronutrients. And since I was labeled, I don't know if I can ever truly get rid of that label, but perhaps one day people won't get labeled, they'll get nutrition and nutrients and micronutrients. Nutrients are required for happiness. We don't have the right nutrients I don't know if we can be happy because the body manifests depression and things with improper diet and nutrition and I think this is the basic thing of lifestyle design is designing in nutrients I'm finding in my own experience if I don't have this basic thing then it's difficult to design and create the rest. The human brain is really tired of being poisoned. Can I go back to my roots of being a health nut and also integrate this aspect of being a creative nut? I was a health nut before I was labeled with a mental illness. I was raw vegan. I really took good care of my body and I felt present and grounded and that all changed very quickly but can I go back to that 
as if none of this ever happened, not saying that it didn't, but leaving all of this paradigm behind and really living my life. I was really seeing that living my life is the way. Because even these last couple days, cleansing and fasting, my body and my energy is different. I feel different. People respond to me different is the thing. It's not me reacting and running away from people. It's just being there and people respond. They, they come up to me, they talk to me differently. When I am taking care of myself, so it seems like that act of taking extreme care of oneself is selfish, but at the same time, it seems to produce the most elegant and beautiful and peaceful and joyful epigestretics. And I don't know if this is true talking about my observations lately because it's been a long time since I've taken this level of care of myself and I'm not saying fasting every day is the answer it's not sometimes not putting anything in at all is better than putting kind of okay stuff in the body at least for a period of time and Hardy Nutritionals did advise against fasting and I'm doing it anyways and I'm seeing the benefits, but I do have to be careful at the same time. And I was on Katie Motram's blog today, Emerging Proud, and she started a new thing called Emerging Kind, and it sounds really cool. She mentions creating a global network of awakened peers, and also talks about how she'll be training people to create safe space. and. What she outlines in her blog posts is really profoundly amazing and she's doing such incredible work. And yeah, emerging kind, imagine that, imagine a kindness approach to people in distress. And on my part, I wonder if we can emerge kind if we don't have the right nutrients for our mind. I think micronutrients might be good for people who identify as psychiatric survivors to help them survive better and stay away from it longer. I don't know if that's true. We'll see if it's true for me as time goes on. So I'm wondering if micronutrients can support this transformation of creating the artist version of myself or will it be something that leads me back into conformity so it's either to transform or to conform and I'm not saying something's wrong with conforming it might actually be good for me but now being in this space of exploring having a clear nervous system I'm feeling out what's right and it varies from day to day the other night when I was falling asleep, I remember having an insight and I didn't write it down because I never do if I have an insight while I'm falling asleep. 
very rarely at least, and I usually don't remember them. I usually don't think, oh, that was what I was thinking about as I fall asleep, but there's so many of them that it doesn't matter. But I had the sense that I remembered one that I had when I was falling asleep, and that was related to the book Stealing Fire by Stephen Kotler and Jamie Wheel, which talks about ecstasis and hacking ecstasis or flow, getting into flow states. And the book's called Stealing Fire, and my brain made the connection with the movie Touched with Fire, which is about people, two people with bipolar disorder that meet, and there's a story around that. And I thought the titles were interesting because one is about stealing fire, which sounds like consciously trying to steal this fire, get the fire, do something in order to have this fire, this altered state, this flow, this transient hypofrontality, as they say, this selflessness, this effortlessness, this timelessness, this richness, and, and stealing that somehow. And then there's the other where it's the movie Touched with Fire where we're not trying to get the fire. We're not doing anything to get this fire, but it touches us. And to me, that's the difference between involuntary psychedelic states or non-volitional altered states of consciousness, map consciousness, trans consciousness, manic consciousness, is that we're touched with it. It touches us. We don't do anything most of the time in particular to get it. It's not like we meditate for 10 minutes and oh, we're, we're touched with fire. People might meditate for days and steal fire or, or different things to steal fire, but there are people who don't have to do anything. It touches them. The fire touches us. We're touched with fire. And so that's the difference is one can learn how to steal fire or people who are touched with fire can learn how to allow that fire to burn up all that's not necessary. Because the fire does burn up everything that is unnecessary that we feel is necessary. There's a bunch of programs in our minds and our bodies and our cells that are programs of necessity in a way, but they're extraneous. And when they drop away, all of a sudden we're in flow. So we're touched with fire, it burns up all that unnecessary stuff, or people can supposedly do volitional acts, like take psychedelics, or meditate, or do extreme sports to steal fire. So with this possible opportunity to take this business course, maybe Synchroversity Wellness will manifest and be something fruitional after all. Perhaps it will help to make paternalistic medication-focused psychiatry obsolete one person at a time. Perhaps it will facilitate making this area of the world the most psychologically safe and psychologically nutrated with psychological nutrition and micronutrients in the world. That'd be a dream come true. Come into my dream. 
Let me show you what I've seen. This morning, in accordance with attempting to learn how to live beyond the label of mental illness, after transcending, after no longer taking medications, after all of that, what is life all about? I'm rediscovering and recreating and relearning that on a daily basis. And so this morning I did the color run, like I said I was going to, and it was a lot of fun. And I took some video, so here are some highlights. I'm here at the color run. Don't know if you can hear me because my phone is inside a baggie. So I'm at the color run, attempting to have fun. I really don't know what I'm doing, but today I'm running and it'll be color bombs, so yay! is on juice and kombucha only and I'm still running.
and I feel like I have a big decision to make coming up related to taking a job out of town or staying here and continuing trying to figure out this lifestyle design, trying to figure out this creating safe space or creating some kind of creative company or I don't know what. I'm leaning towards staying here and I asked the universe for another coin flip like I did before I went to California and it said go to California don't take the job and I took the job thinking maybe it would work out and it didn't so this morning I think I said to myself okay same thing tails are go and heads is stay and I found a dime on the ground and it's American dime again this whole thing with America and it was heads and I took that as a sign of course and then I was walking and I accidentally dropped the dime and I was thinking of just taking the tails as tails but when I dropped the dime it was heads so now I'm still waiting for a best two out of three and I'm going to go seek that out in the next couple of days and I'll probably skip around like I usually do I'm experimenting a little bit with wearing a little bit more makeup uh, what I'm exploring is the more effort I put into myself and my wellness and things like that how does it make me feel or how does my life unfold not just how does it make me feel subjectively but how does that create a totally different life I went to the color run today and I was with some people and I felt very calm and there and present and I was thinking about how I feel present usually but also not present because I feel like there's something I need to do and accomplish and I'm on this mission not quite knowing what to do and what to create and that pulls me away a little bit from the moment which makes it so I can't co-create with the moment as well. And when I put energy into things that I can do something about, like wellness and myself, then when I am out and about, I feel like the moments unfold with a different quality. And I'm not sure, I'm just experimenting. And I bought this Color Run fanny pack because I like little backpacks to carry stuff. I always need my phone, my chapstick, a hanky sometimes my nose runs and chapstick and I think I already said that and I forgot and also my hearty nutritionals of course now so yeah I'm really leaning towards what can this hearty nutritional stuff help me design as my life and really transcend putting any energy into mental health and moving on to something like wellness which is what I was passionate about before any of this mental health stuff ever happened it feels a little bit more actual and what I mean by that is I've spent a year talking to myself and a lot of its abstract context and that was very helpful and I could continue doing that for a long time but it might actually be more powerful to just put on a little bit more makeup as I did today just for fun than to talk to myself for 20 hours I don't know I'm not sure and these are the things that I want to test out reality testing and also I had a bit of a conflict with a friend and then I turned that conflict with that friend into so far a five and a half day juice and kombucha fast and 
I ran the run on the fast and I still feel good. I'm feeling a little hungry. I'm likely going to break the fast when my avocados are ripe because I haven't had avocado in a long time and I finally bought some. They'll probably be ripe tomorrow. I do have a birthday tonight so I might have something to eat. I'm just not feeling that hungry. Though I am feeling hungry right now and I want to make juice but people are sleeping. So yeah, I'm feeling re-inspired by wellness in general. So I'm feeling like if Hardy Nutritionals can help me live that life, then that would be really powerful. I think even if I am tempted to stay in the mental health framework, it'd be more powerful to show transcending and not spending energy than putting it back into being mad about mental health or the system or things like that. And I have done that along the way and speaking with myself and can I be done with that and move on to a life of thriving beyond mental health or advocacy or anything. Not that that's wrong, I'm just not sure if that's right for me to put my energy back into that. Because again, if one can learn wellness, if I can learn wellness and move on through wellness, maybe that's more powerful to show that than creating clever things to say about mental health. And it might also show that when one truly does transcend and have proper nutrition, one can then have any kind of life, not necessarily a life of being an advocate or a peer supporter. Because sometimes that seems like the best possibility, but maybe anything is possible. And today I got to have my first shower in swirl water, which is what I call this device I have, which is from alivewater.com. And I do know the person who sells this and it's a great product and it makes the water structured and it actually makes it so the chlorine doesn't go into the air. So one's not having a chlorine shower and it feels really magical. It really is magical water. When I have a bath in this water, it doesn't really change temperature. So I could have an hour bath and the water doesn't get cold. So it does have some really cool properties. It's antibacterial, so it won't make cloth smell or anything and I'll talk about it more later but it's one of my favorite things in the world and it was my first shower in squirrel water since before I left for California. That was really exciting. And also I got to make some yerba mate because I grabbed some from my place. I make it in a bottom and I'm drinking that right now. And I finally got more of my favorite toothpaste, which is this. It's salt toothpaste and makes my teeth feel so clean and amazing. And now that I'm back home, I get to use my water pick, which is one of my favorite things ever. I got it at Costco. So when I was having a shower today, after the run, I felt like it'd be cool to travel around to different wellness events. And even after the run, we went out for food. I didn't eat. I just had an orange juice. And it seems like even when we do healthy stuff like run, we still tend to go out and have something that's not that great. 
And so I was feeling my anal retentively healthy vibe today, and I have been lately, and maybe more of that is needed in the world, and maybe I can move more in that field again. Maybe it's only very temporary, but it's cool. I don't think I've ever done a juice-only fast for this many days. And it just sort of happened. I translated that conflict with a friend into a five-and-a-half-day juice and kombucha fast, and I'm not really that hungry. And I never like to force anything. I like to let things happen, and it just kind of happened. It's not like I planned it or thought, oh, I have to do this or something. It just happened. And I'm seeing the benefits for sure. So, yeah, I felt kind of like my old health nut self. And last night I took a picture of my kind of six-pack in the mirror just to share results, I guess. So I'm wondering if I can translate myself back into being into wellness, actual wellness, like drinking yerba mate, which is actual, or eating avocado, which is actual, or drinking juice, which is actual, or putting a little bit more care into my appearance, which is actual, instead of making stuff up, which was very helpful to get myself out of a made-up story about mental illness. So it was almost like homeopathy. Just creating more of that abstract story stuff in order to get rid of that old story that at this point is no longer true. And I'm still going for the nine-month mark to see if the micronutrients are able to prevent crisis. In a way, I'm feeling more on the manic side, if you want to call it that. Even though I don't feel manic, I'm feeling like my gestures and my behaviors are moving towards that, which is sort of like embody my mania. So perhaps by being really into wellness and being healthy in that way, maybe that makes it a lot easier to embody my mania. I feel like time is slower. I feel like I have more energy, way more time. Time feels different. It's sensed as different in different situations. And so one can move in a way that one designs one's life where time feels like it's not rushed, like it's moving slowly. So there's a lot of different dynamics that I'm noticing right now. And I'll try to talk about those with myself because it's all new. It's new to be in contact with the world again without toxic medications in my body. And, you know, there's a chance that I could go into a mania and then have a depression or something, but I'm thinking the micronutrients will help to keep me stable. But at the same time, I feel like they're not the answer in that I still need to design my life when I'm not designing my life, when I'm not in that state of action, then it doesn't feel good, if you want to call it good. I feel a little bit depressed. 
but I don't feel depressed. It's a strange sensation. It's not depression, but it feels slow. It's more like time passing faster and slower at the same time. It's passing in a way that as the moments tick by, it doesn't feel right. I'll try and talk more about that as time goes on. And it was sort of fun to dress up a bit silly today and go to the color run. So I'm thinking of ordering a pink tutu or rainbow one for jumping on the trampoline or rollerblading or something and and be a little bit more silly and happy. And this really was an event where people are being silly and happy and it's ridiculous and fun and it was nice to be in that energy. I feel like finding people and places and spaces of that energy and abiding in that and inviting people like me who have been labeled and pathologized into that space as opposed to going back to immerse myself in the space of pathology and mental illness which really brings me down it's really sad and I want to show the way for myself and maybe that will help other people if I stop now and I feel like oh I'll help people get onto hardy nutritionals yet I haven't figured out how to design my life after the fact then I don't know if I'm really helping people I have a tickle in my throat I keep coughing so I have a fisherman's friend And, yeah, this question of what really helps the world. And I think it's doing things that are within our power to do. Which is action. So, me doing actions towards myself of kindness. Perhaps it's self-epigesturetics. And the more one does that for oneself, one also does that when one is out and about with other people, naturally. But if I go around in life pointing fingers, and that's the way my brain is oriented, then it's not acting, because pointing fingers is saying something. And that's why I want to move this dialogue with myself more into action and more out and about. I was thinking I could be a wellness traveler, reviewer, traveling around, going to healthy places and healthy products. I love that stuff. I used to really love it. But I've used my lack of finances as an excuse to stay away from that stuff. But I think it's worth the investment. And interestingly enough, a five-day fast is pretty cheap. And I watched a video by Jason Silva today called All Realities Are Virtual. He's talking about the exact same thing. I won't say what he said because it's easy enough to watch it. It's a three-and-a-half-minute video. So much of what I've said to myself is in there. Altered states are a type of immersion and it's a... And sometimes it's a deep awe experience and I'm wondering if I can translate that into a life of 
self epigestretics. Maybe that's part of embodied mania. I think that's actually the part that gets partly out of hand when we go into that state is that we forget to act kindly towards ourselves. We're trying to do so much to help the world. We forget to feed ourselves. And I had a great conversation the other day with someone from Muse, the brain sensing headband. And maybe I'll talk about that later because my throat has a tickle and I can't stop coughing. I'm still getting over this throat thing. One last thing. I predict that this swirl water is going to solve the problem of me needing to go pee a few times before I fall asleep. I can't stop talking. I'm wondering if taking care of the body, gestures of self-care, not as an ego self, but actual things that are real, like eating proper food, if that creates time, or it changes how we experience time because we feel well and vibrant. And when we feel well and vibrant, then it doesn't really matter so much what we're doing. We're not trying to escape what we're doing because we feel good. And then it moves us beyond bad and good in a way because if we're in that bad and good, maybe I'm hanging out with a friend, but I'd rather be doing something else because it'll make me feel better. But if I feel so well in that moment, every moment, then... I'm not thinking in terms of escaping the moment to get something better, which is very transient, doesn't last long, and then I'm looking for the next thing to make me feel better and better and better because I haven't worked on my wellness. I haven't been giving my body the proper food and nutrition. So then we feel time as a drudgery instead of a gift, the gift of the present. And when we feel that well and vibrant, we're giving someone else the gift of our presence because we are present. We're able to be present. I don't know. And I thought of three aspects of an orientation to the moment, which are curiosity, allowing, and kindness. Because I was thinking about how I feel in the moment sometimes wanting to do another thing, not wanting to be around someone, but wanting to be talking to myself or wanting to be on my computer or wanting to be at the park. And that's not being curious. It's not being kind to the other person or what it is. And I'm not allowing that. So I'm wondering about those three things. The word allowing came up for me the other day. I've heard non-resistance before, which another way to put that is allowing. And I'm glad I know how this cleansing affects me because once I start eating again, I can go back to a cleanse and perhaps it's a way to increase self-epigestretics, which then improves one's epigestretic matrix, which then helps one embody one's magic, one's meaning, one's life, 
So yeah, the sense of time is different, and I'm wondering if time is a sense. We think of time as something actual, it ticks on, and as we experience life, there's evidence that it ticks on. But perhaps it's a sense, like the sense of beauty. There's a sense of richness, perhaps, and a sense of beauty. I think it's related to this non-self state. When there's the non-self state, there's a sense of beauty, timelessness and effortlessness and richness, kind of like what Stephen Kotler and Jamie Wheel talk about. I would add in beauty in there. They don't talk about beauty. That could be part of richness, though. I would say, though, that when the sense of self decreases, the sense of beauty increases, the sense of richness, the sense the sense of self is the effort, so the effort decreases the sense of effort, and the sense of time changes how we sense time passing. And perhaps that's just a sense, just like vision is a sense. <clears throat> vision perception is a sense, and memory participates in that to create our perceptions moment to moment. Perhaps memory and the self and the sense of effort participates in our sense of time. And when that's not operating, it feels timeless and things feel beautiful. And some people out there say there's no time, it's the present moment only. So if it's the present moment only, we have perception, we have our senses, and we have the sense of time, our sense of sound and vision, all of those things are aspects of our sense of time. The change in what we see and the change in what we hear creates the sense of time. But our seeing and our hearing has all these elements of the past injected in terms of our conditioning and programming and biases, so that creates partly the sense of time, how our memories play into our perception, all our other senses, creates the sense of time. So I'm saying perhaps time is just another sense. And we all have the same sense of time, or we all have the same time in a day, but not everyone experiences it passing in the same way. So people will talk about goals and time management and productivity, but maybe that doesn't matter as much as inquiring into what alters the sense of time. One might say, oh, if I'm productive, I'm getting more done in the same time, but who cares about the concept of productivity? If there's a sense of timelessness, we may or may not be productive. If there's a sense of flow, we may or may not be doing extreme sports or getting a lot done. Can we change our sense of time without having to do anything? I'm not sure what I'm saying, but I'll talk more about that later, maybe. And the word allowing came up when I was talking with a friend through iMessage, and he might have said that love is an allowing 
or maybe I wrote it down like that, but something like that. And I wonder if allowing is the only action. Because otherwise it's from the volition of the self, which is volitionally trying to do something or act before the moment has a chance to act on us. We're acting on the moment. And I wonder if this is the only doing. Can we allow, can we give space for love to act? And that love is the moment and difficult to describe for example I might want to do a certain thing and I could go and do it or if I change to this allowing orientation somebody might do it for me or something else happens than how I would think that that thing needs to be done like sometimes I'll want to say something and kind of volitionally put something into play and then I wait and the other person says it and brings it up. Can we give space for love to act? And more on how I don't generally force things. I, when I became a vegetarian eight years ago, I remember eating leftover Thanksgiving turkey. I think it was January 4th. And it came to my mind that I would never eat meat again. And I never did, and I never have for eight years. I never say never, but I can't imagine I would eat meat again. So yeah, I feel like the more I've put care into myself lately, people have acted more caring towards me, which then makes me feel more present and not like, oh, I have to be at the park and I can't be around people doesn't mean that never happens but I'm feeling this subtle dance and learning about it curiosity allowing kindness and I'm still on this thing about creating a creative respite that's a safe space psychologically safe to be creative and with a resource library that's the thing when I was at my place yesterday and boxing up some of my stuff I've been away from it for so long. I don't even want it or need it, but I was thinking I have so many great resources that it could be a self-direction and wellness tool library for people to start designing their life after medication, if that's what they choose. Maybe even before they're off the medication. It'd be cool to have a respite where people taper off the meds, perhaps with the help of micronutrients, and also in the meantime, start thinking about what they want in their life next designing their next part of life with these resources. So it'd be a self-direction, creative, co-creative, psychologically safe space. Not only space to go through difficult challenges, but perhaps to overcome those challenges and definitely, meanwhile, designing life beyond that because if one can't do that, then to trade medications for micronutrients isn't really that interesting. But if one can move into a life of one's design, now that is interesting. And design that at the same time. Because what I'm finding is 
being off the meds is great, but now what? So on the same wavelength, micronutrients in order for what? So what? And the so what has to be created and for what has to be created. And I'm figuring out some and forgetting most on a daily basis. And I feel like this creative respite or this creative place could be almost like a new Silicon Valley because we go into psychedelic states involuntarily and if we could put that together perhaps we'll come out with the next technological innovation and perhaps it will be an orientation, a way of experiencing the world. This is transformistical and transformagical. I also highly recommend having a singing playlist. A playlist of songs in your smartphone that you love to belt out on repeat. And I'm liking living further away from town because it gives me a chance to sing. So long drive, lots of singing. So yeah, lifestyle design. And I feel like this next period of time will be about that and seeing the life that I can create. That might be the most important part to Show people that anything is possible. Tapering off meds is possible and then the life of one's dreams is possible. And I did live the life of my dreams by going to California and live the dream of tapering off meds. So now it's really time to get in alignment with dreams.
I just experienced a mini death of sorts and I'm left considering and trying to figure out a little bit what it's all about. The trouble is when there's so many things going on at once, it's hard to figure out what it is and what it is could be because there's so many things going on at once. For one, I've been on this fast and yesterday I did break the fast with some avocado and a black bean burger. And today I was fasting again. I had some carrot juice and ginger juice and also some kombucha in the morning. And then I met up with some people for a meeting and then when I got home I was really hungry so I ate two avocados with mustard. And afterwards I was trying to work on a little rescheduling of my month and I was having a little bit of trouble focusing and then that's what can happen sometimes is it seems like my focus zooms out and hi and then I can't focus like time is challenging linear tasks and that's one of my warning signs on my wrap is my brain just stops functioning in that domain and I've been working on a document to share. I don't want to go into the details, but to share with a certain company, sharing perspectives and things. So I've been working on a lot of different things at the same time. My videos, documents. I reached out to the Muse brain headband people. I reached out to a church that does acts of kindness and they emailed me back and said, hey, call me and set up a time to talk about stuff and put some other stuff in my calendar. So I've been scheduling in a lot of things. It's like too much of my time is planned all of a sudden. And there's this thing with this out of town job and without going into details, the meeting I had today sort of made the decision in my mind final about not taking the out of town job. And the out of town job could be stressful and could cause me to slip somewhat and today felt like a bit of a slip but it might not have been a slip I don't know if it was eating the two avocados which was a lot of fat good fat but my body might not be used to digesting that it could be that I just scheduled a bunch of my time with a bunch of different things and feeling like maybe I can't go on my little retreat to the island. Maybe I can still. So with what I was having a meeting about today and that helping with the decision to stay where I am, that feeling could have been dying to all those possibilities that would have been possible had I decided to take the out of town job. And I wonder what the rest of the coin flip will say from the universe. I wonder if I'll see one of my own coins on this path. And I messed up talking about it yesterday because tails was go and heads is stay. 
and it said heads first, not tails. It said heads for stay, and then when I dropped the coin, it was tails for go. And now I need to look for heads or tails to see what it says. And I really feel like it's important to keep myself in a low-stress life until the nine months on Hardy Nutritionals only mark. Yet today I did stuff that increases my stress slightly for sure. So it also could help me because it might make it easier to do some of the projects that I'm wanting to unfold yet a little bit more difficult because I'll have a little less time because I've somewhat committed to helping some people out a little bit here and there and the peer support so lots going on and at the same time fasting which might not be good but maybe it is good because I feel good but maybe feeling too good yeah I'm not sure so that's the thing so many things going on which is likely the trouble and that's when it usually happens when I'm reaching out and inquiring into a lot of different things so after that happened I decided to put my scheduling calendar away and just go for a walk in the park and let that allostatic load calm down and also not let that body pain sort of mini panic attacky death feeling like feeling bother me but it could be a bit of an early warning sign and that could be a little bit scary so I have my park to go to I have extra vitamin C to take which that is something that I can definitely do is up the vitamin C I took some hearty nutritionals and hi. the vitamin C is good to take on an empty stomach so when I go home from my walk I will take the vitamin C I will put my clean sheets back on my bed because I was sick and I washed them and I have a Skype call with a friend from California and I still haven't spoken with the people who might be offering me a job out of town but that will be a bit of a tough conversation if they do offer me a job because there's a lot in alignment with my values but at the same time it's not in alignment with how I feel I need to give myself the opportunity to be a little less stressed until settling in on the micronutrients and also give myself an opportunity to create what it is that I want to create, which is the safe space, the creative space, and the sharing this self-dialogue process, which I'm starting to understand more. In a couple days, I want to go get that private mailbox and then set up the mailing list thing and then start putting on my dialogues as private videos so I can share them with people and thinking of a date for that which 
I'm thinking maybe the first annual Emerging Proud Day, which this year was the first one. So the one year mark will be May 12th, 2018. And that gives me some time after the nine month mark of February, mid-February of nine months being on micronutrients only if I'm still on that trajectory to figure out what I want to do. I think I want to be more mobile by mid-May of next year and maybe do some summer traveling around and maybe start, yeah, doing some of that. And then winter of next year, get the heck out of this cold country again, mid-October or something. So knowing that I kind of want to do that, taking that full-time job isn't in alignment with my lifestyle design, though what they're doing is in alignment with my life. And I'm not going to share the details. I will later one day, but just trying to figure this out and watch out again for that kind of panicky, oh my gosh, I can't keep track of time thing. And it could even be maxing out on that. Yeah, I'm not sure. And I just took the most beautiful video clip of a little stream when I first got to this park. Oh, so beautiful. And today, I got my printer working because I brought my printer out to hook up and I had to call Samsung for that. And the customer service was really good, actually. He got my printer working, he did the remote access thing, and it took about half an hour, but the call was answered right away. The only thing I didn't like was he accidentally closed my web browser that had all my tabs that I was working on. I think he panicked because he accidentally looked at one or something and I didn't care and then he closed it. And then I was thinking, well, I don't even know what the heck I was doing then. One of them was the link to upgrade the private YouTube video thingamajiggy and blah, 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 blah. Oh well. So the cool thing about getting my printer working is now I can print out some of my extrapolations to talk about in the park. So I printed out a page of some of the things that I wrote down and I think what I'm going to have to do when I go home is my calendar is too full. I like to put things in there that I need to do that are maybes and I need to put those maybes into my maybe one day list which is in my notepad and keep the calendar a bit more clear because it's getting confusing. And one of the notes I had in my calendar was to look up what the salience network in the brain is. And it says on Google, the salience network is a collection of regions of the brain 
that select which stimuli are deserving of our attention. The network has key nodes in the insular cortex and is critical for detecting behaviorally relevant stimuli and for coordinating the brain's neural resources in response to these stimuli. And yesterday I realized something that adds to my allostatic load, which is being around unwellness. People drinking and eating meat and eating bad food and I think I'm just in that healthy state right now where I'm noticing that more, but it wasn't really a factor in California. And especially being around family and things and friends and people that I really care about doing things that aren't good for their bodies. And it's hard to watch, just like it's hard to watch the news. Like it's hard to hear the TV droning on and, and traffic noise and things like that. So these are all things that weren't really factors when I was in California that are factors now that I'm noticing. And yeah, it was hard to, to be around that. California had a healthier vibe, plus I didn't have my family and friends around, so maybe a little bit more detached to what people do. And people weren't really doing that. I wasn't around drinking and meat or TV or noise or traffic, all these things. And I also feel like it's me being angry, retentively healthy that is making those things more salient to me. And I was speaking with someone who was a little bit critical about my enthusiasm for the alive water or the structured vortex water that I call swirl water. I was sharing some of the benefits and and they were skeptical yet that's fine but for me I'm skeptical of so many things like everything I've been told to believe about myself after being diagnosed with bipolar disorder and I've researched health and nutrition and products for like 12 years so when I find something that I really like I do want to share it and I can really tell when something is really good at least for me and this person mentioned well it could be placebo and very well could be but if I find something that is placebo good for me and it costs a bit of money then that's good it resonates with me and it does something and it's just structured water it's not like I'm talking about some kind of miracle cure for something so it was interesting that there's good skepticism but there's also maybe too much sometimes in some cases and it's just like if somebody finds something that they like like the best pair of pants ever they might say hey this is the greatest pair of pants I've ever bought and the other person might like it or they might not but it's a natural thing to want to share that and a lot of commerce and economy is based on that on word of mouth on recommendations from friends it wasn't necessarily a scientific argument but anyways and then interestingly enough someone had a shower in the swirl water and they said, oh wow, I forgot how much this water makes my hair so much nicer. I'm like, yep, yeah, see? Just try it, and it? It's amazing stuff. And I realized too that I think I talk a lot about how I should talk about mental health, or I shouldn't, or I should stop, and I should start, and maybe I'll stop forever, and blah, blah, blah. And I don't think that it's a matter of cutting it out. I think... 
it's a matter of talking about whatever it resonates to talk about. Not thinking in terms of right, wrong, should, shouldn't. That changes on a daily basis. So just talking about it when it comes up. But I did notice that I'm not really a Twitter person, but I do get those emails with the links to click on the different stories. And so I click away at some of them. And a lot of times it is something that piques my interest. I clicked on one and it brought me to the most weird study ever. It is a study that they're doing where people who are in mania can submit a photo of their eyes and they're collecting a thousand eyes, a thousand pairs of eyes when people self-identify as being in mania to see if they can create an algorithm or an app to help people to see if they're in mania or not. So after they create this algorithm, they might have an app where somebody that has bipolar disorder can take a picture of themselves when any time and the app will tell that person if they're in mania. And that seems good in a way, but it was kind of freaky. It reminded me of that movie I Origins really strange and it also the description on the page it's put on by I'll have to talk about it a little more later because I forget the university that's putting it on it's SMU Southern something something and on the description on the page that was really bizarre to me because it says Bipolar disorder is a genetic disorder that affects 4 to 6% of people, something, something. It goes on to say that this physiological mechanism of maybe the eyes changing or pupils changing or whatever they're going to calculate could help to show that it's a physiological disorder. And I really don't know about that. Of course there's physiological changes. I've talked about that myself, how in that state I'm stronger. So they could create an app to see if you're stronger than usual to say that you're in mania or so many different things. And they're choosing the eyes. And whatever. But the line that stuck out to me in a way was that this could encourage people to accept help and seek treatment. So that's the part I don't really like because it could get to a point one day where they have to check our eyes every time we go to see a psychiatrist. So it's not necessarily a self-directed algorithm where I can choose to look at my eyes if I want to to see if I'm in that state and seek help if I want to to a point where they'll just check our eyes every day and if our eyes say that we're in that state an altered state of consciousness and mania or something then they could say well you have to take this drug and that's scary to me because they talked about that a little bit in the book Stealing Fire where they could have sort of biological and physiological passports like they do for athletes in the Olympics. They have to submit all their baseline 
numbers, and if they vary from the baseline, they can be punished, they can be charged. And people who are in altered states of consciousness and get diagnosed bipolar, when we get hospitalized and medicated against our will, we're basically being punished with medications for having different states of consciousness than we usually do or other people usually do. So this eye testing algorithm could just be another way that they implement forced treatment. It's one thing for us to use it if we want and seek help if we want. It's another for us to be required to take a picture of our face every day and then it'll tell us what meds we have to take based on that. And then there's technology out there where I found out about a certain type of antipsychotic where once you take it and it goes in your stomach, they know if you took it or not. This is actual science. And this is for people who are mandated to take meds when they're on extended leave or however the heck it works. It can be an extension of criminal justice or, or psychiatry. But when it goes into your stomach, your own unique stomach, they know if you took it or not. So these things can be good, but they can be not good. So I was not at all tempted to send pictures of my eyes to help them to figure out this algorithm. I don't think it proves a physiological disorder. Of course, there's physiological changes. When the mind changes, the body changes. It's one uniform process. They're not actually separate things at all. And I feel like in mania, we're able to process a lot more information, so it makes sense that the pupils would dilate to let in more light, let in more information. So we're in a state of heightened information processing. Whether or not we can integrate, ground, move with all that information in daily life is another story. But to have this app or algorithm to help us seek help, if we had to do that daily, it'd be like, well, today you got to take a benzodiazepine because your eyes are too dilated or however it works. That's a really scary line. So we will accept help and seek treatment. And it could be right now, since I've been in this heightened state from fasting and getting a lot done, my pupils could be messed right now for sure. But that's why for me it's really important to see if these micronutrients can keep me going. And today was the first sign of yikes, I don't know. And it's right at this decision time of taking this full-time job or staying around and even what I've designed for myself lately in terms of staying where I am might be a bit much. So I really have to be careful. I think I should go on this retreat to the island in two weeks. I've done a lot of designing lately and that's what I wanted to do. And I wonder if they do develop this algorithm and app to help people see if they're in mania. 
And that's another thing they said in the description, because a lot of us lack insight. And it could be, I don't know, whatever. So, yeah, that was the tweet that I read, and I wonder if Hardy Nutritionals can help with the pupil thing that happens, or the eye change. So, if seeking help can be taking more Hardy Nutritionals, or starting on Hardy Nutritionals as opposed to psychopharmaceuticals. So that would be something, if they ever created that app, I could check myself out and then take Hardy Nutritionals, or maybe somebody goes into their first mania and then they take hearty nutritionals well does that alter this eye change algorithm that they're trying to see if there is and they're making all these leaps in what that could mean like this means it's a physiological thing well it could just mean that the mind and body are really one thing not it's physiological as opposed to nothing the rest isn't nothing it's all tied together so it could be helpful it's just a matter of if we have enough self-direction in place so that app and algorithm isn't used to direct us back into psychopharmacology. And the other thing that I clicked on was something about the 10 best bipolar blogs. And I clicked on a couple of them and read the intro page and it was a lot of, oh, bipolar one is this and bipolar two is that and all the crap that you can read on any wiki page or pharmaceutical promoting page. It's the same stuff they tell us to believe about ourselves. But anyway, one that caught my attention, and I didn't write down the name of the blog, but I will put the web address when I edit this later, was a woman who talked about how she was well for 12 years, I think, and had a relapse after watching a show called 13 Reasons Why on Netflix. So warning to myself, do not watch that show. And her article was long and very well written. But it was the classic, things got worse, so then I tried to bump up my psychiatrist appointment, like, that is the be-all end-all. And it is for most people right now, for sure. But if I had a crisis right now, the last thing I'd want to do is see a psychiatrist. But it just is that flavor of psychiatrists will save us when that is not in my feeling of things. But it was well written. I'm glad that she made it through with some kind of med change and hospitalization and things. But one part that resonated with me was before my last hospitalization in April 2016, the really bad one, I started watching a show on Netflix called the OA. And I won't say what it stands for because that kind of spoils it, but if one has a label of some kind of serious and persistent mental illness, I would recommend not watching the OA because it's possible. And I think I've talked about this show a little bit before with myself. And I think that reading what she wrote, and I didn't read her post about what she thought of the show 13's, 13 Reasons Why in particular. And I didn't even fully read her post that I was reading. 
I caught the flavor of, oh, the system will save me, and it did save her and help her, and that's great. But part of the point was that binge-watching a show on Netflix that's really impactful isn't good. And part of the point for me is that people like us are really sensitive to these things. We're sensitive to these really graphic and disturbing and these shows that really are meant to push our limits of what we think is happening in the world and acceptable and I don't know even what 13's, 13 Reasons Why is about. I think it might have had something to do with suicide and it can be really disturbing and I feel partly that why are we not more disturbed by these shows to the point that we can't even watch them? I think part of what's disturbing about it is people who are sensitive, people who have been labeled with mental illnesses, they could watch this stuff and really be deeply impacted by it to the point where it messes with their own personal wellness because it's hard to process all that that is showing in the show. It's so graphic and disturbing, yet it's equated with entertainment. And the people who can just watch it and be entertained and barely be disturbed, that's more disturbing to me. I can't even watch it. It's way too disturbing. But by watching more and more of this ever-expanding range of disturbing stuff, it is acclimating us to that being okay in a way. And I'm not saying everyone that watches it and just goes to sleep at night is okay with it. But it's like a test from the universe. Can we watch all this graphic stuff and then just go about our lives and not do anything about it? Not do anything about anything? Maybe do some stuff about some things, but mostly our own personal problems and pleasures. And the more of us that watch all this disturbing stuff and just sit by and do nothing, it's telling the universe we're just going to continue to sit by and do nothing. And then, meanwhile, in apparent reality, more and more disturbing stuff is happening and we're, we're okay with it because the entertainment industry is expanding our okayness. And then people just go to sleep at night and go to work the next day and talk about that show like it was entertainment and maybe it was mildly impactful and things and yet there's people out there that'll watch it and it's enough to to make them lose their sense of self and risk their own wellness as their psyche tries to reorganize to try to rearrange mental models so Jason Silva talks about an experience of awe where we're so expanded that we have to rearrange our mental models to incorporate the vast beauty. Well, there's something that is at the opposite end of that, which could be called raw, or it could be called, oh my God, or something, which is seeing something so disturbing that we have to rearrange our mental models in order to be able to integrate it. And that isn't a pretty process. It destroys the self, but in the opposite way, where we nearly destroy ourselves because we don't know how to keep moving in this world of such destruction towards each other. And that's my feeling. And she might have talked about that in her post. I didn't read it. And I'm not here to read every word she wrote. I have too many words of my own to say. But... I read enough and then talk about stuff, not as a criticism of the other person, but just to 
talk about what I need to integrate with myself as a result of exploring what bits of other people's bits I do read. And so, yeah, it shows to me that things can be so disturbing that it disturbs our whole life as sensitive people who... It doesn't matter about our lovely little routines that we've developed. We watch something disturbing and it disturbs our whole life, our whole functioning, our whole routine. Everything gets messed up because we just can't take what we saw. And maybe that's a good thing. Not good, ultimately. It practically destroys that individual. But these beautiful experiences and these ugly experiences are trying to destroy us as individuals. So we come together and this is the thing too, this person was disturbed and they're trying to figure this out and they're writing a blog post about it and sorting it out and everyone's just going about their regular thing. But if we'd act together, then there wouldn't be this one person going around like a ping pong ball disturbed and, and then ending up in the psych ward on different meds in order to manage the next little routine part of the individual life. Because we act like it's this woman's personal problem that she was derailed or she slipped because of watching the show more people maybe should slip from watching the show and if we all slip together we'll do something all together and not just manage an individual slip like it's their individual problem I don't even know what I'm talking about but I've experienced this myself before where a show messes with me I can't even watch it I can't watch TV I don't like the news it's just so disturbing that I can't do anything about it, that it rearranges my mental models to mess up my whole life. So we're not seeing the fact that we're deeply impersonally disturbed. It's not personal disturbance. But then it creates a disturbance in the person's personal life because we all have our separate little personal lives. And the weird part of it too is that a lot of times when we as sensitive people get labeled with a mental illness, we end up as chronic Netflix watchers because there's not much else to do if we're in some of the more challenging parts of it. It's hard to go outside. Maybe we live with parents. There's a TV there. There's Netflix. We don't have money to do anything else. We're not working. So it turns us into machines of watching that which would eternally disturb us and then if we're on medication we're watching it a lot yet it's not disturbing it us as much as it would if we weren't on the meds yet we're taking in all the information to our brain so it is affecting us at a cellular level but we don't know it and then this could actually contribute to the buildup of the allostatic load that that can help to co-create a crisis, yet we don't even know that part of it is the very thing that by taking the meds we're nearly conditioned to do on a regular basis. And as sensitive people, we don't see it as entertainment. We see it as, wow, this is really happening out there. This is real. And we feel it is happening to ourselves when the self-structure starts breaking down. So it's really dangerous to watch this stuff. And here's a woman that was well for 12 years and watched a show and thought that she'd be okay and and she wasn't. And she got through it and that's great, but it's also a bit of a warning to me because 
no matter how many micronutrients or how much I take or do, I'm not necessarily safe and I can't pretend that I am. Just like that poor gentleman, Michael Stone, who died a while ago and he had an amazing following, following of people who he was a teacher of, yet he ended up dead from fentanyl. So there's no guarantees of anything and in saying this to myself about this lady and Michael Stone, the times of wellness are really to be cherished and I really do feel like I want to create this sharing of this conversation. So if anything happens to me then it's out there or scheduled to be out there and it's not necessarily about oh micronutrients are the answer. Nothing's the answer really. Maybe not taking anything but perhaps avoiding certain things like shows or things that can be really disturbing. One thing she did say is the show, 13 Reasons Why, quote, rocked me to my core. And that's a good description. We sensitive people, we get rocked to our core. So rocked to our core that the importance of keeping our own personal little habit, pleasurable life in order breaks down. It's no longer there. And that's the thing too, is in the recovery movement, it's partly to create a life where we're no longer rocked to our core, where we're managing ourselves, where we're staying safe, where we're watching out for symptoms. And, and that's great for sure, that's important, but I feel like we still need to move through our core and by our core and through our heart because with this lady, she was well for 12 years and then she watched something on TV, on Netflix, that rocked her heart. It messed with her heart. And if we're not moving in alignment with our heart, and I'm, this person is, she's creating a lot of great stuff for people. So I'm not trying to say anything about anyone in particular. I'm just priming myself with what people are saying to talk to myself and remind myself on a daily basis that it doesn't matter about micronutrients or anything. We never know how much time we have left of wellness or being off meds and then being on them or one day there's an app that can tell for manic and maybe forcibly injects us with some kind of crap so we're not. And maybe there are things in the world that we should be losing sleep over that we're not. And this poor woman lost a lot of sleep over watching this show. Now, if a show can rock us to our core, just extrapolate that to all that's going on in the gong show of the world. And this is hard on a daily basis because yesterday I was talking about, oh, kind gestures towards myself and then everything is perfect and lovely and wonderful and now I'm saying, oh my gosh, things in the world and stuff rock us to our core and we gotta do something about it and maybe there's nothing we can do. I don't know what to do. I do feel like I need to be careful though. It's that thing about not going too deep. I feel pretty deep into it with the fast and 
doing a lot and doing a lot of lifestyle designing and so yeah if we can watch these shows and not be rocked to our core and just equate it with entertainment the universe knows we're missing something there's already an algorithm forget this computation we're trying to do to create these algorithms to figure out things to help us the whole universe is a giant algorithm and it calculates everything that we do and the universe will up the ante until we are rocked to our core actually. Why have you not been rocked to your core yet? Why is it that when one person gets rocked to their core, it gets turned into a personal crisis or emergency and not an impersonal collective action? And I'm oversimplifying. There's a lot of great collective action going on out there. I'm just talking to myself like usual. I'm talking about more in the context of when somebody gets labeled with a personal mental illness when a lot of times they're rocked to their core and and just don't know what they can do to really help the world and yeah talking about either or of talking about mental health or not is setting up a pattern to follow and I'm not sure why I haven't figured this out yet where I shouldn't necessarily question what I talk about on a daily basis and say I don't want to talk about it anymore. Part of what I could do is make sure I have a better mix of things to click on on Twitter because a lot of it is mental health. So if I want to change the conversation then maybe I might want to follow some other stuff too. Or maybe I should go on a fast from that stuff and catch up and integrate all that I've designed lately. It's a lot. Last night I had a dream that I was in the back of a car and a hummingbird came through the back window and landed on my finger. And there were two people in the car and I said, look, a hummingbird. And I was feeling like, look, it landed on my finger. Isn't that great? And maybe like, that's special. And then it kind of squeezed my finger with its little claws. I don't think they have claws. And it sort of hurt, but I ignored it. I was just happy that the hummingbird landed on my finger and it was okay that it felt like a bit of pain. And that's another thing with these powerful states of consciousness is that when we start reaching out to talk to people we're more eloquent and communicative and so People want to talk to us, they want to talk to us back. The person at Muse was interested in collaborating a bit more and that one phone call turns into a lot of possibilities. And that's happened with a few different things lately. And I feel that's part of that death feeling is needing to prune some of those possibilities from my epigestoretic matrix or my quantum epi possibility space. And can we move from self-improvement to opening possibilities? And I wrote that yesterday and right now I feel like it's actually a time to close some possibilities. And that's what that 
death-like feeling was all about. I could think, oh, it's a symptom of my mental illness. I had a panic attack. I need to take some meds. Or I could relate it more to all that is unfolding and manifesting in life. Opening possibilities to allow the universe to act. This is the togetherness. And I wonder if hardy nutritionals can help to stabilize the stir that Stephen Kotler and Jamie Wheel talk about. The selflessness, timelessness, effortlessness, and richness. And I like to add beauty and truth. The sense of beauty and truth. And I feel like the micronutrients help me to face facts instead of a reality distorted by the medications. And it seems like we use a combination of all our senses, our five senses or nine senses, if you want to include proprioception and da-da-da-da-da. And all of that combines to create the epiphenomena of the me. But what if those senses, the sights, the sounds, the smells, tastes, touches, and everything else created an epiphenomenon of beauty, truth, which are only available when the self is not. That is the selflessness. So the selflessness is the beauty and truth. So the selflessness actually equals effortlessness, timelessness, and richness. And the self is effort. The self is psychological time. That's something Krishnamurti talks about a lot. So can we be aware when psychological time is present, when the me is present, when the self is present? Can we negate that? Krishnamurti talks a lot about not adding anything but negating. Negating the self and the other is. Because we can't know what that other is. It's a richness that has so many dimensions that we can't even begin to name. But when we name them, we think we know something about them and we limit them before they're able to flower fully. Right now, the combination of our senses produce effort, which is a movement of opposition or conflict with the movement of life. So can we have stir instead of me? Selflessness, timelessness, effortlessness, richness, which is part of beauty and truth. The me is the effort. It's the movement of conflict, which moves us away from our adjacent light body trajectory. The self is effort, time, and lack of meaning. So part of the richness is meaning. And we can see and create meaning. That's why it's important to see and create our own meaning. Because old meanings are part of our memory, which is part of the self. When memory comes to operate on the moment. So the non-self is meaning, new meaning. And why do we have this separate sense of self ticking alongside of time? If the ticking of time is a sense, why do we have a sense of me, of psychological time, ticking along with that? This prevents the mutation that doesn't take time. And can we move from change and improvement to mutation? 
time is not needed. And I've read Krishnamurti and watched a lot of his talks online for quite a few years. And just the other day I started listening to his question and answers, which are usually around 20 minutes instead of a whole hour. And they never resonated with me before, but all of a sudden I'm finding them very resonant. So I've been listening to those as I go to sleep. And I was thinking about our languaging around time, like killing time and passing time. Why do we say that? Why don't we say creating time or creating with time? What I created with my time today, not how I killed my time today or I'm bored, which is not liking the way we get to spend our time. And we even say spend our time as if, as if we have a choice to spend it. It's always moving, but we're not moving with it and creating it. We're Even our language around it is just weird. Time ticking is a manifestation and something completely new coming into being. And I hear the hummingbirds. Map consciousness is an alteration, a mutation in psychological time. And psychological time is unreal, it's an illusion. So it's a mutation that negates the illusion. We don't know how to live in contact with the real. And I've also been thinking about virtual reality, how there's a lot of hype about it and the thing is that we don't realize there's an augmented actuality which trumps, much surpasses and outshines and is an infinite phenomenon. And the self, the me, prevents this, it blocks it. Anyone who's been in the state of so-called mania could put on virtual reality and they would say that the state of mania is more powerful, more everything. They would never say, I want virtual reality over that state. So there is a power within us that is so magical and wonderful that we can live and unfold the life of our dreams actually, but there's something that's blocking that. And then the way we've been conditioned and programmed makes it so that will be always blocked so then one day we can be sold virtual reality when we don't need to pay a single cent for augmented actuality but we do need to pay with our attention we do need to pay attention to what blocks that and we don't even know because we've always been in this toned down programmed, conditioned, pattern of a self, living disconnected from augmented actuality.
that's kind of what mania is. It's augmented actuality. And it's sort of like if someone were to wear virtual reality glasses and then walk around in, in consensus reality. If nobody could see those glasses, everyone else would think that person with the glasses on was crazy. But they're just experiencing a different reality. So I'm more interested in augmented actuality than this virtual reality thing. Like Jason Silva said in his video, all realities are virtual. So if they already are, why aren't we moving with that? Why are we moving like it's so etched in stone? And in that state of map consciousness, we move like it's not etched in stone. We're moving like we can create the rules and those are all things that will be mirrored in virtual reality. But we already have those potentials and capacities within us. But those are kept under wraps. So then one day we can be sold this virtual world. And it's likely already happening. There was a study that said chances are 99.99999% one day we will be living in a virtual world the way technology is going. And if that's true, then it's 99.99999% that we're living in a virtual world now. And then people that see that are said to have a Matrix delusion or a Truman Show delusion or something. So, strange. I won't go on and on about that stuff because there's no point. A lot of this is virtual. We're living in our heads, but the actual can touch us. And when it does, it's sort of like that scene in Wally where the people are all disconnected and looking at their screens, drinking that sugary drink, and then they accidentally touch hands. And they're like, whoa, something touched me, something actual. And it felt so good that I might just get off my butt and get moving and connect with something actual. great thing about technology, I do love technology, is that I can have this impartial witness listening to me talk while I walk through the actual forest. So I've talked a lot today, getting a lot done, and tomorrow I'll likely take a break making videos and edit this and I'd love to say oh I'll take a break for a couple days because I should let myself calm down and integrate into this design but we'll see what happens much love holographic hugs it entered my mind about the piece of paper that I printed to read off of and how one might think well that's a waste of paper but it gave me the opportunity to read stuff that I wrote on my computer while walking through this forest, which feels powerful for me, subjectively. And then after my brain inquired into that, it realized that 
the trees like listening to me talk too. So my iPhone likes witnessing what I have to say I'm impartially. But the trees hear me and they know how much I love them. And they're very happy to donate one little piece of paper so that I can talk to myself for an hour while walking through their beauty and listening to the crunch of the trail on my feet. Holographic hugs to the trees too. I just thought of something funny. There was the Cambrian explosion, which is something to do with evolution. It's now the Manian explosion. Or the Shamanian explosion. Come on, Shamania. Come on, Shamanics. Get with your dreams. Get with your harmonics. Thank you for listening to Bipolar Inquiry. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, use your voice, craft your consciousness, embody your potential, enter a quantum paradigm. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information in this show is not medical advice. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.